When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is going on everyone? My name is Andy. Welcome back to another FPL video. In this one, it's the Game Week 10 preview where I'm going to go through a bunch of your questions to hopefully help ahead of Friday's deadline. And anything I don't get to, I'll try and cover in final thoughts on Friday. If you enjoyed the video, make sure to give it a like. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And let's jump into it. All right, let's start off with a fairly popular question this week. If you had to choose one between Saka and Watkins, which would you go for? Now, I think this depends on whether you're getting one now and then another one later, or you're just bringing one in now and then that's going to be it, or at least with your current plans. If you're bringing in one now to hold for the long term and you're just going to ignore the other player... I think I would go for Saka out of the two. Don't get me wrong, right? Watkins has been great recently. The next three fixtures are fantastic as well. But let's not forget that Saka has got um, Burnley at home. Sorry, Sheffield United at home this week and Burnley at home in 12. Yes, it's Newcastle away in game week 11. But outside of that, you've then got a run of Brentford away, Wolves at home, Luton away, Villa away, Brighton at home, which are all pretty good fixtures for an attacker. I'd say the toughest ones from game week 10 to 17 are probably Newcastle away in 11 and Villa away in 16. And we know that obviously Saka is way more likely to take a penalty than Watkins. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to say with Saka now. I can't say that he's on penalties. I have to keep saying he's on some penalties, but that's at least more than what Watkins has. Plus he's a midfielder, clean sheet points and stuff like that. So I think for the long term, between the two, if you can only choose one, then Saka is the best pick. There are a lot of people deciding on what order to bring them in. So one in this week and one in later. If that's the case, I think you go for Watkins first. It is quite close to be honest between the two because although Saka plays Newcastle away I think overall he's a better FPL option and Watkins does have Forest away which isn't necessarily easy I think it is a better fixture of course but it's not an easy one but I think given it's Luton at home this week and then Forest away that combination of fixtures is just slightly better than what Arsenal have so I'd probably get Watkins now and then Saka later if you're definitely going to make that second transfer if you want to be a little bit more risk adverse i.e something else might happen that stops you making that second transfer then i would just get saka because i think from now until kind of game week 16 etc saka is the better pick even though watkins has been great recently it's not writing him off or anything like that i just think saka is great and i've loved him since game week one if you're on wildcard then i think it's just an easy decision to have both so yeah saka long term if you're getting both over the next couple of weeks i'd probably just about go for watkins first and then saka later 
So should we look to get Brighton players on wildcard in game week 10? I think they're definitely a team to consider because their fixtures are excellent both in the short term and the long term. But as always with FPL, it's about the individual players you can pick from that team. And when you start taking into account injuries, the attacking threat from defenders that aren't Estupinian, Europa League rotation, general minutes risks and stuff like that, the amount of options from Brighton that you'd actually want are quite small. So I'll come on to those players in a minute. In terms of the fixtures... Next four are pretty decent. Fulham at home, Everton away, Sheffield United at home, and Forest away. After that, they do play Chelsea away, but then it's straight into back-to-back -back home games against Brentford and Burnley. Then it's Arsenal away, but then they get to play Crystal Palace. So I think for an, for an attacker, given how good Brighton can be, you probably wouldn't be worried about most of those fixtures. So I like someone like... I don't know if I'm going to have Matoma on my final wild card, but I like him because if after four weeks you want to move to Inbermo, happy days, you can do that. But if you need to hold on to him longer... Is really not the end of the world. From now until game week 16, they've got home games against Fulham, Sheffield United, Brentford and Burnley. And two of the away games are Everton and Forest. So all, all round, that looks good. I actually looked even further than that this morning. And I was thinking how much I would love to have a Brighton defender. I know the defence has been awful so far this season. Uh, and if you look at the fixtures, they have had... A few in there that maybe they should have got clean sheets from, like Luton, for example, in game week one, Bournemouth in game week six. But outside of that, you know, West Ham at home, Newcastle at home, Man United away, Villa away, Liverpool at home, Man City away. They haven't had a huge amount of kind of what I would say a nailed on or good fixtures to get clean sheets from. I still don't think the defence is that great, but the fixtures they got coming up are much better. And if you look from kind of and I get it, right? We don't hold defenders for that this long, usually. But if you look for game week 10, bearing in mind your wild card, and the next one's not going to be for a while, all the way down to like game week 28. I'm not going to read out all those fixtures, but the toughest ones are Chelsea away, Arsenal away, Spurs at home, Spurs away. And that is maybe it. Like West Ham away is not easy, but if you had to play a defender in that fixture, you probably wouldn't be that worried. So from now until game week 28... I think there's four fixtures that are kind of tricky for a defender. So I would really like one. But then you look at the options for Brighton. We all want Estupinian. Well, you can't put him on wildcard because he's injured. Maybe that's someone to think about getting down the line. Like Matty Cash, for example, who everyone, well, not everyone, but lots of people are going to have on wildcard. He's got three great fixtures, but you could possibly get rid of him after that. So maybe in game week 13, when Cash has got Spurs away, if Estupinian's back, that might be your route to then get Estupinian in and hold him for the long term, if he's back by then. The only other player that I would look at is probably Dunk. But for the same price as Estupinian, I think they're both 5 million now, yeah, because Estupinian's come back down in price. He just doesn't have a huge amount of attacking threat. I know that he scored against Liverpool. He scored one goal, one assist last season, one goal the year before that. Like, he has in the past scored more goals, but recently it just hasn't happened so you're really relying on clean sheets. And based on what's happened with Brighton so far, I'm just not completely sure about it. There, There is a temptation for me to put Dunk in the team and just hope that that defense gets better. I just worry about it, even with the good fixtures. I think you want that attacking upside from Estupinian. And once you put Dunk in on wildcard, you can tell yourself you'll make the switch to Estupinian, but there'll always be a reason not to do it. Because you'll think, okay, well, if Estupinian doesn't get a huge amount of attacking returns this week, at least I've covered the clean sheet. So that's in the back of my mind. Like Igor, for example, has started the last two games back-to-back. -back. He's only 4.3 million, but I can't sit here and tell you that he's absolutely nailed on. And that's the problem with the defender. So Dunk, maybe, if you think that defense is going to improve. But really, it's Estupinian, and you don't want to put him in right now. In terms of attackers, 
Matoma is the only one I think that has a chance of being in my wild card because his minutes have gone under the radar. I've spoken about that already this week. Only one game where he was benched in the first nine game weeks and he's played 80 minutes plus in the rest of them. Uh, Adingra is probably going to be the player that benefits the most from March being injured. And at 5 million, he's definitely tempting as a punt. But I just wonder whether Cole Palmer is worth it instead who I think you can be, at least in the shorter term, be more assured about his minutes. There's no Europe or anything like that. And obviously, we've seen him take the last two penalties as well. So I think Adingra has got the fixtures, but I think Palmer is more of a an assured player for FPL right now in terms of minutes and stuff like that. And then I don't think there's anyone else to consider for midfielders. Gross, maybe. I know some people that really like him because he's nailed on. Uh, his underlying numbers are okay. And if, if João Pedro wasn't on the pitch, he would probably take penalties. I just I just can't see me putting Pascal Gross in. And then Ferguson, because Welbeck is injured, we don't know how long term at the moment. Like a lot of people like him at six minutes. I think the hype around Ferguson in terms of overall footballer is warranted. I think he's great. But as an FPL option, I don't think even with Welbeck out, he is absolutely nailed on. He has always been managed in that Brighton team. He has played two ninety minutes for Brighton in the league since the start of last season. He played game week thirty eight last year and he played 90 minutes against West Ham in game week three this year never done it outside of that and I just think he's always being managed because I think he just he just seems to always pick up these little knocks so I just don't think it's worth the risk I think if I was going to go for a forward it'd be João Pedro but obviously a lot of people have owned him for uh, different parts of this season and he just has never been nailed on but he is first choice penalty taker and he's only 5.3 so unfortunately it's one of those situations in FPL where the fixtures are great I would love to have two or three Brighton players, but there's just too many factors which make me think it's just not worth the risk. So Matoma's high up on my list. Adingra, maybe if you want to take a punt. And Dunk, if they could finally get some clean sheets, could be okay. But let's be honest, Estepina is the one we really want. So I'm probably a little bit late to cover this question because a lot of people have already used their wildcard. We're a few days into game week 10 wildcard as well, but hopefully it will help you in the future. What is the optimal technique to catch price rises when on wildcard? And I'm going to try and explain this the best I can without making it sound super confusing, but you are going to have to follow along a little bit. So the first thing to do is check which players are likely to fall or rise in price anytime soon. So I'll leave a link in the description below again to the price change website on Fantasy Football Hub. It's completely free to use. And actually, I've got to be honest, the design is pretty impressive. It's very user-friendly. Essentially, it will show you which players a dropping in price or going up in price and when that change is likely to happen now it's not with 100% accuracy that's impossible because FPL don't give away the information of how price changes work but it's pretty close so for example Solly March 6.3 million is likely to drop in price and that could happen tonight so if for example you had Solly March and let's just say you paid 6.3 million for him and you're wildcarding this week if he is still in your wildcard team when he drops to 6.2 million, then when you swap him to someone else, you'll only have 6.2 million to spend. Whereas if you got him for 6.3 and then you sell him today and then he falls in price, obviously you then had 6.3 million to spend instead. So for my team on Saturday when I wildcarded, I got rid of Rashford because I knew he was going to drop in price over the next couple of days, which he has done. So when I sold into whichever player I put in, I had the 8.8 .8 million to spend if I'd left Rashford in and just sold him, you know, today or whatever, I'd only have 8.7. So there's just these little 0.1 million um, you can save, basically. And then similarly, it will show you which players are going up in price and when that might happen. So if there's a player 
you know you're going to want on your wild card then you should bring them in straight away in case they go up in price so for me bowen and watkins looked like they were both going to go up in price pretty soon i knew i'd probably want them in my final draft so they went into my team now even if i don't go for bowen in the end i've covered myself off right so if i look at my if we look at my actual wild card team right now now ignore this this is not going to be my final draft this is all because of prices jared bowen i can i got for 7.3 million but he's gone up to 7.4 now if he's in my final draft and i didn't bring him in before he he rose in price i'd then have to pay an extra 0.1 million so that's something you can do as well bring players in before they go up in price take players out before they go down the only thing to be careful with is taking out players that you've got value tied up in that you're not 100 percent sure that you want to sell right so if you're on the fpl page and you're on the transfer part of it instead of being on pitch view you click list and that will show you um, the price you bought a player at so for matty cash for me i bought him at 4.9 i can sell him for five and his current price is 5.1 million so if i sell cash i can spend 5 million but if i want to buy him back it's going to cost me 5.1 now obviously matty cash is not a great example because i'm definitely going to want him a wild card trippier is a much better example okay i bought him at 6.5 i can sell him for 6.7 but he currently costs 7 million. Now, if I'm on wildcard and I'm tinkering with my team and I take Trippier out, then I've got 6.7 million to spend on his replacement. And if I confirm that transfer and then decide that I want to actually keep him on my wildcard, I'm then going to have to pay 7 million. So I've lost 0.3 million in the process. So that is why my team looks like this. I've got a bunch of players that have gone up in price that I may or may not want in my final draft, like Simicast, Palmer, Watkins, Bowen. I'm just covering myself, basically. And then I've got a bunch of players that I probably won't have in the draft, but because I bought them at a lower price than what they're currently at, they're still in there in case I decide I want to keep them. So Trippier, Udogi, Son, Madison, and Alvarez as well. Now, I suspect I'm going to have Haaland in my final team and not Alvarez, but until I'm absolutely sure about that, there's no point in losing that money. The only other thing to kind of cover is making money on the wildcard now these days it doesn't really happen that often but one player that some people who are wildcarding this week are going to try and make money on is douglas louise now on saturday when people activated the chip he was 5.4 million he obviously got the 15 points became very popular then if you checked on the price rises it would have looked like he was going up and now he's gone up to 5.5 now i didn't bother covering this because i don't think he's going to double rise but if he goes up to 5.6 before Friday's deadline, then people that bought him at 5.4, given that he's now gone up to 5.6, will be able to sell him for 5.5. So even though they never wanted him on their final draft, they've ne they've made 0.1 million. Now, I wouldn't worry too much about that at this point, especially this week. No other player is going to rise twice between now and Friday. But that's another way you can kind of make money. So sometimes you'll bring a player into your wild card that you don't even want, but you just want to make some money on. And to be honest, like I guess Cole Palmer is similar for me. I don't know if I'm 100% going to have him, but he's already gone up from 4.9 to 5. If he goes up, we can check on the... I don't know how close he is to a rise. We can check here. Yeah, so he's getting a lot of transfers in, but he's only at plus 7.42%. He'd have to get close to 100% before he rises again. But if lots of people brought him in before Friday, that could happen. So if he goes up to 5.1, I'll then have... I'll then be able to sell him for 5 and if I don't want him on my final wild card, 
then I've made money. I, I, I suspect that probably wasn't that easy to follow, but I'm not sure how much easier I can make that to understand. The, the, the short summary is, take out players before they drop in price if you're absolutely sure you don't want them on the final wildcard. If you are unsure about players you've got value tied up in, wait until the last minute to make that transfer. And if there's any players going up in price that you think you might want, put them in, even if you end up selling them later on, just to cover yourself from the price rises. Let me know in the comments below. Is that easy to follow? If you've got any other questions, if you do, I'll try and cover them in final, uh, final thoughts on Friday. So which is better for the next few weeks, an Arsenal or Spurs defender? And I think when you take into account the defensive strength of both teams, plus the fixtures that are coming up, it has to be Arsenal. I think with Spurs, there's been a massive improvement so far this year under Ange Postacoglu. I'm a bit jealous about how they're playing versus having to watch Man United, for example. Uh, and like Poro and Udogi are doing well. The partnership of Van de Ven and Romero looks good too. But I would still trust the Arsenal defence a little bit more. And I think the, the fixtures are better in the short term as well. So outside of maybe Newcastle away in game week 11, I think most of the fixtures between now and game week 15 are okay to play a defender in. So you've got Sheffield United at home, Burnley at home. I mean, on paper, right, that's a guaranteed clean sheet. FPL and football doesn't always work like that, but on paper it looks great. Brentford away in 13 is not necessarily easy, but if I had to play an Arsenal defender in that game, it wouldn't worry me a huge amount. And then you've got Wolves at home and Luton away. After that, it does get a bit trickier. But in the short term, next five game weeks, I think Arsenal look pretty good. With Spurs, obviously, if, you, if you've had... Like I've had a doggy since 4.5 million. There is part of me tempted to keep him on wildcard because you can bench him for the trickier games. But if you look up till game week 15, the, two, the best two games are probably Palace and Wolves. And they're both away from home, which isn't necessarily ideal. The home games are Chelsea, Villa and West Ham. I think all three of those teams are capable of scoring against Spurs. Maybe West Ham a little bit less so. But I still don't think it's an easy fiction. And they've also got Man City away. So if you've got Udogi or Poro or Romero, whoever it is, and you're not wildcarding this week or whatever, then you can definitely keep them right. If I had to play Udogi against Palace and Wolves, even if they're away games, it wouldn't worry me that much. But I think if you're picking new this week, you'd probably go for the Arsenal defender. The only advantage I can see for Spurs, given that they're in and around the same price, is their defenders are more attacking. If you look at the Arsenal options, right, I don't think... We can go for Zinchenko now because he didn't start last night in the Champions League. I just think now there's too many worries about Tomiyasu probably playing. I think for what it's worth, Zinchenko will play the majority of games. But there is that risk of Tomiyasu now. So if you go for Gabriel as a bit of a punt at 4.7 links, maybe there's a few risks there with starts. Or Saliba for 5.2. There's not a huge amount of attacking threat from those two. Like They can get goals from set pieces, of course. But it's not like someone like Porro. Uh, and then Ben White, I just think for 5.6 minutes, it's too expensive. Like, it's not that he has no attacking threat, but it's not that high, and it's quite an expensive price to pay. Whereas if you look at Spurs, like, for like you're not going to... I don't think you're going to pay 5.6 for Ben White when you can get Gabriel for 4.7, basically. Whereas with Spurs, Porro, you watch Spurs games, right? He's always in and around the box. And when it comes to buying a Spurs defender again, I'm going to try and make sure that I can get him in. And at 5.2 million, he's the same price as Saliba. So I think if you had to play him or Saliba in a tougher fixture... I think it'd be quite close because I'd back the Arsenal defence a little bit more 
but I would definitely back Poro's attacking threat over Saliba. But I just think if I'm buying you, I'd go for Arsenal and I'd probably just buy Gabriel. But Poro is definitely on my watch list for later on. Anyone disagree with that? I think Spurs defenders are good for what it's worth. I wouldn't necessarily sell them, but if I'm buying you, I'd go for Arsenal. So I suspect a lot of people this week have got a question like this. How essential is Watkins? I feel like I'm the only person who doesn't have him and would need a hit to get him in. Now I'm going to give the stock cliche content creator answer first of all and say that no one is essential. But I really do mean that because if I tweeted out today and said, who do you think is essential for our FPL teams? I would get a variety of different answers because everyone's got a different opinion. But I suspect there would be five players that would come up more often than not. And that would be Haaland, Salah, Son, Watkins, and Trippier. And that doesn't even include someone like Saka, who I think is a really good option right now. So you've got five players that are apparently essential. But unless you've got ridiculous team value, or you're willing to sacrifice nearly every other position in your squad, it's very difficult to fit all five of those players in. So by definition, they can't all be essential, right? There has to be a sacrifice somewhere. So for your team... It might be that you're really happy with everything else, but you can't have Watkins. For my wildcard team, it might mean that I have Haaland, Salah, Son, and Watkins, but I can't also have Trippier. So something has to be sacrificed. In terms of Watkins as an option, like he is great, especially in the short term. And I know there's loads of stats going around that I think since Unai Emery uh, took over, I think he's third for it, for goals and assists only just behind Salah and Haaland. So for his price, he is incredible value. And I think Luton at home, Forest away, Fulham at home is great. But then you run straight into Spurs away. And then Bournemouth away is pretty good. But then you've got Man City at home and Arsenal at home. And can Watkins get returns against Spurs away, Man City at home and Arsenal at home? Of course he can. But you're probably not expecting two or three attacking returns in each of those games, right? He might tick over and get what two to three returns in those three games that's not really essential at that point so he feels essential right now because he's just done really well against West Ham been super consistent this season great against Brighton and now he's got Luton but I think in a few weeks a few game weeks time he's not going to feel quite as essential and I think a lot of people on game week 10 wildcard for example are putting cheaper players in position they don't really want to I know that's what I'm having to do and then later down the line, if you want to upgrade them, something else is going to have to be sacrificed. It's going to have to be Son, Saka, or possibly Ollie Watkins. The one reason I really like him, though, and I spoke about this already this week, is because he's so consistent, he's always going to start. You can just keep hold of him for the long term. So you could maybe justify a hit. But let's say it's for Alvarez, right? I've seen other people considering this. Damage limitation this week, because you've got Luton at home, right? And Alvarez has got Man United away. And don't get me wrong, right? Man United not playing great at the moment, but I don't think that's as good a fixture as what Watkins has. But then in game week 11, it flips. Nottingham Forest away is definitely harder than Bournemouth at home. So if you could get through this week without too much damage, bearing in mind if Watkins is your sacrifice, hopefully the rest of the team looks good, then you've got a really good fixture against Bournemouth at home. And then all of a sudden, you're reassessing from kind of game week 12 onwards maybe you've got the spare transfer to bring him in at that point it doesn't take a hit so i'm trying to i'm trying to think of players that i would take out for a hit for him and i'm not sure there's a huge amount but obviously you can always come and ask on deadline stream maybe i'll have a different opinion but i don't think he's essential i think he's very good uh, and in some cases the hit might be worth it but I, I just think most of the time those hits are just not needed so it really depends what it is but yeah don't get me wrong if you're on wildcard this week you definitely include him but i think for anyone that's using transfers if you, if you can get him in for free, happy days. The hit, maybe. It really depends what it is. 
All right, let's talk about Liverpool defence. Is Trent an option if you don't have Haaland? And the short answer is yes, absolutely. Like, I've just talked about my own wildcard team not being able to get Trippier. I definitely can't afford Trent with the other players that I want. So, obviously, one of the benefits to selling Haaland is you've got a lot of money to spread around. And I said this a couple of weeks ago. I think Trent, for this period coming up from, like, now until game week 16, is one of the biggest differentials. Now, hopefully, if you're not having Haaland, you can probably have Trippier and Trent. But if it's one or the other... I do like going for Trent as a bit of a pun over Trippier. Obviously, there's some risk with that because Trippier is so highly owned. He's a brilliant FPL option. But if you look at the fixtures that Liverpool have over Newcastle, they are just better, right? From now until game week 16, the most difficult fixture, as we've talked about many times, is Man City away in game week 13. I think every other fixture is pretty decent for attacking or defensive returns or possibly even both as well. And I think so far... Um, Trent is running at 0.25 expected goal involvement and that's all coming from expected assists so that's actually a little bit lower than what Trippier is on right now but I think with the fixtures Liverpool have got coming up I would expect that to improve so I really like him as a differential um, I guess the only thing to say and it's not like a big issue but if you get rid of Haaland and you start bringing players like Trent in and you have Trippier and you're spreading that money around just keep in mind how you might want to get Haaland back because I know right now everyone's doing well who doesn't have Haaland because he hasn't performed the fixtures coming up aren't great either but just to kind of and I know I've spoken about this before just to kind of reiterate Villa away in 15 Luton away in 16 Palace at home in 17 you're probably not going to want to go without Haaland for those fixtures even if he doesn't do great before that so if you're spreading the money around to players like Trent just keep in mind how you might get Haaland back. Because obviously you can sell him, but you might have to sell another player and then also upgrade your forward. So you could be looking at a minus four. If other fires start cropping up as well, that could turn into a minus eight. And then at that point, you might talk yourself out of it, etc. So yeah, there's just a, a few strategy things to consider. But in terms of an FPL option, I think Trent is one of the best differentials right now. And if I didn't have Haaland, I probably would want to have him. So we talked about taking a hit to bring Watkins in. What about taking a hit to get rid of Imbermo? Now, this particular question is, would Imbermo to Diaby be worth it and viable for a minus four? And I've seen people consider this for Matoma and Bowen as well. Whoever it is, I'm not convinced that Imbermo out for a minus four is worth it. I know he's playing Chelsea away this week, and Diaby's got Luton at home, Bowen's got Everton at home, and Matoma's got Fulham at home. They're all better fixtures, and there is, of course, a chance that that minus four pays off straight away. But I don't think it's guaranteed when Imbermo also has penalties. Plus, his underlying stats are just pretty decent as well. So I don't think this week it's guaranteed to pay off. Well, then the argument might be, yeah, but in the long term it could pay off. But the problem with that is in game week 11, Imbermo's got West Ham at home. So even though the other three might have slightly better fixtures on paper, West Ham at home is not a bad fixture. Like Bowman would obviously have Brentford away. The Arby's got Nottingham Forest away. So I think over the next two weeks, that hit probably doesn't pay off. And then, of course, you could go longer than that and say, well, hang on a second. In game weeks 12 and 13, it's, I think it's Liverpool away, Arsenal at home for Inbermo, which it is, absolutely. But then why can't you make that transfer for free in game week 12 and take, instead of taking the hit right now? And I think by game week 12, you'd be looking at Liverpool away and thinking, okay, Diaby has Fulham at home. But then the fixtures get tougher for Aston Villa. Diaby's not nailed on to play 90 minutes. And I'm not saying he's a bad option. He may well be in my wild card. But this is different. We're talking about a minus four now. And after three game weeks, I think Diaby is someone that most people are going to start to potentially look to get rid of. And then you're getting closer to Imbermo's really good run of fixtures. Now, I already spoke about him on transfer tips. And I kind of uh, said the same thing about the minus four. I think transferring him out is okay. 
but I don't think a hit necessarily repays itself over the next two weeks. And by the time you've got those two gamings out of the way, you're getting very close to his good fixtures again. So look, it could absolutely work because the other three have got really good fixtures this week. And if it does pay off, happy days. You're very happy you did it. But if Mbomo gets a penalty against Chelsea, that's what? Worth like at least seven points, maybe even higher with bonus. Probably not going to get a clean sheet. And then the player you bring in has got to get four points on top of that. And I'm just not convinced the long-term argument really works out in this case. But let me know down in the comments below if you are making this move for a hit. If you've enjoyed that video, make sure to give it a like and hit that subscribe button. If you're on podcast, make sure to rate five stars. And I'll catch you again tomorrow for team selection. Sports Social Podcast Network.